tech companies are needing to adjust to how can we attract talent and how can we differentiate that's going to be something unique that we can bring individuals in that is going to resonate with them. Hey, this is Aaron Price, the CEO of Tech United. I am so excited about today's conversation. We're talking about all things talent, the great resignation, attracting talent, retaining talent. Here with me today is Marnie Rosen, the Director of Management Consulting at RSM, as well as Jen Hartman, uh, Human Capital Management Consultant at RSM. Both of you, thanks for joining us today. Appreciate it. Thanks, Aaron. Thank you for here. Let's start quickly with, for those who aren't familiar, who is RSM? RSM is a uh, professional service firm. We're actually the sixth largest firm globally. Um, so we serve clients in the middle market, audit, tax, and consulting. Um, Jen and I specifically serve our clients around HR and human capital challenges. So we're glad to be with you today. Excellent. Right, we're happy to have you here. So let's jump right into this great resignation uh, challenge that many employers are dealing with. What are you seeing in the market right now? Do you think it's improving? Do you think it's going to get worse? What are some of your observations at the moment? Yeah, great resignation is a wonderful place to start when we're talking about talent. Um, I think a lot of companies are feeling impacted by this right now. And it's probably just important to start with what's contributing to it and uh, where we're seeing those differences. So uh, starters, it's a very unique time in the labor market, as everyone is seeing and, and hearing about. Um, so we look at four different uh, factors there normally when we're looking at the labor market. We've got unemployment, we've got job openings, um, we have turnover, as well as, as hiring. And so right now, those those they're very interconnected, but we're seeing flux and, and, and record highs and lows in each of those categories. So it really is such an interesting time in the market and, and causing a great talent scarcity, which is kind of one of those underlying reasons uh, for this great resignation. So we're dealing with a hot market um, that's favoring the employee right now, where they can be really selective about where they want to be. Um, the other contributing factor, which we'll talk a little bit more about, is um, how the pandemic and the, um, everything that's gone on in, in the last two years has really caused the employee to, to really reflect on what it is that they care about, um, what they want out of life. You know, there's been a, a deep shock to, to all of us um, mentally, emotionally and physically here. So there's been a lot of shifting there, um, which is kind of mixed that with the hot market we see. And, and there you have that great resignation. So for technology, I'm going long way to here, but for technology in particular, uh, it's they're kind of in the eye of the storm as an industry. Uh, in that there are two times, and even in, depending on the sector, two to three times uh, above what the national across industry uh, rate is for turnover. turnover Why do you think that is? Why in tech is it so much higher? Is it a supply and demand issue? Marnie, I'll ask you to jump in here. Yeah, so the the challenges in tech, I mean, one of the things that I think about and why why it is so challenging in tech is because you're in a very you have a very specialized skill set that you're recruiting for. Not only that, but um, tech skill sets are in demand, but most organizations that during the pandemic shifted to remote work um, hadn't done that before. And so there was an opportunity to almost provide it as a, a selling point to come and work with you and be able to have it as a talent attractor. Whereas in tech, that's been status quo for a long time. So tech companies are needing to adjust to how can we attract talent and how can we differentiate? That's going to be something unique that we can bring individuals in that is going to resonate with them. And there are, uh, there's 
a lot of compensation inflation that is occurring today, especially around tech. Um, so we see base salaries, not, not only base salaries, but also incentive comp, equity plans, all of the things that you would generally um, you would generally expect to see kind of across the board in, in tech. Those are really jumping up very high in order to attract talent. Um, but compensation is not the only thing that's going to be an attractor. So we really need to think about what else is going to bring individuals into an organization, things like what the employee value proposition is, what kind of culture you have, uh, flexibility around that. So there's a number of other things just outside of comp um, that, especially in tech, need to be considered. A, a lot to unpack there. So first, you brought up a point that hadn't really crossed my mind, which is that sort of the rest of the corporate landscape has caught up with tech in terms of flexible work arrangements. And are you suggesting then that therefore some people in tech are being attracted to other organizations that they may not have considered before? Is it basically on the supply demand curve? Do we just increase the demand on the same supply because there's now many more you know companies that are attracting the talent that used to just want to be in tech? Yeah, I think twofold. So you have, you have other organizations that are attracting uh, engineers and IT folks that maybe didn't traditionally do that before. And they're really looking to build those skill sets out um, accordingly, you know, where you look at industrials and healthcare and they're, they're bringing those skill sets in house. Um, but I, I also look at some of the flexibility that had been offered in tech before um, that had been almost the the, the sign-on bonus, if you will, for these other companies to be able to attract talent, which isn't an impactful in tech. So there really needs to be something else other outside of you know flexibility and remote work arrangements that's going to be an attractor. So what are you seeing, either of you, you know, we talk, we're getting into the culture side of things. What can attract people into an organization? Well, we'll start with the attracting, then we'll get into retaining. But what are you seeing are some creative approaches that organizations are taking to, to, you know, to, to land talent? Sure. So on the retention side, digging into, I mean, culture can be both a selling point and also the thing that the differentiator in, in, in keeping talent or retaining talent. So I think um, for culture, we're seeing a lot of resourcefulness and a lot of attention around understanding culture, which is something that's to this day, to, to this point, has been really hard to measure. So we're seeing a lot of investment around um, uh, strategies around listening for the voice of the employee and truly breaking it down because it's going to be different by sector um, and by you know the just the culture of that organization. So really focusing on enhancing culture. Um, a big focus, obviously, on DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, is one of the the main topics we continue to hear about. And something that in the past we've heard in, in technologies has been one of the challenges, right? So that's going to continue to be really important as one of those uh, how you attract employees and also how you how you retain them. Um, Marnie, what what are you thinking about? In addition to that, I think diversity is really becoming paramount for organizations to think about. Um, that is uh, really an, an attractor of talent and a consideration as employees are looking for new companies. How diverse are they? How much do they um, promote an inclusive workforce? And in turn, they also are thinking about how not only the rewards piece, but how can I grow my career? So really career paths, skills development, being able to move up within an organization, not just um, vertically, but also horizontally and investment in skills is something that we are really seeing be more um, prioritized around what, what employees are looking for. They're just seeking different things. 
So we have a, a national interest with Tech United, but certainly a regional focus being Tech United New Jersey. And we've been talking about the opportunity from the pandemic of, of, of keeping the talent in New Jersey that's historically commuted to New York. And I wonder if in other markets you're seeing some of this transformation and, and not just keeping them in New Jersey, but keeping them like in the country. I, I, you know, I know a lot of people who moved to Mexico part time, um, not always have that kind of flexibility, but I do think this, the, the, the opportunity to work remotely has changed things dramatically. So yeah. how do employers compete when people you know, can and want to be anywhere? Well, you have options in that case. We, we are seeing a lot of clients that don't know what to do when they're needing to now understand where their employees are. They allowed for remote work and then people started moving potentially globally to other states. So the management around the employee base has, has been actually very challenging. So what we're seeing organizations do is have to take a view on what is going to be our strategy. So that really does need to be defined. Either you're going to allow for your workforce to be global and open up your talent pool so you're not limited just to looking in New Jersey, but you're able to pull in the best talent, the, the best in breed, if you will, and be able to have them aligned and sticky to your organization because you're allowing for that opportunity to, to potentially work outside of the region. Um, that, that's really a plus, but you need to be able to put some structure in place to do that. So even things like um, having HRIS systems and, and tracking for state tax compliance and the global implications around those things are really important. Um, but one of the things that most people are trading off, especially given the pandemic, is more time at home and the flexibility to, to do what they need to do personally um, and balance that with professionals. So in the case of companies that do have some of that hybrid work where you have an office that's in, in New Jersey and a lot of people will prioritize it so they don't have to do that commute. The commute is probably a thing of the past to a large degree. So making that commute every day to the city, I, I don't think people have the appetite for it anymore. So if they're going to stay in a location, they, they're probably going to stay closer to home in a lot of cases. When we think about how organizations can be thoughtful about culture, you know, tech historically kind of in a cliche way has like the foosball and ping pong table, but it's a lot more than that. And yeah. it's obviously got to be authentic to the organization. How do you advise companies on coming up with strategies to implement, you know, culture in a way that's authentic and drives employee retention and engagement. Jen, I'll go to you on that one. Sure. So I think it starts with understanding your culture and having the mechanisms in place to really understand what that value proposition is for your employees and what it means to work for your company and what it is that they're valuing. I mean, we're seeing a lot of differences right now across generations even, um, which are creating some of those complexities. You have boomers wanting one thing, you have Gen Z wanting a totally different thing. So really keying in on what that means for your workforce. Um, and then I think it's commitment to change. A lot of times these are addressing, if you want to really retain folks, it's addressing these longstanding issues that the, the company may have. And for technology, I think a lot of times that's burnout in one way or another. 
um, which is hard. I think leaders kind of have to look in the mirror and, and really figure out how they're going to address that. Um, and then the other, the other thing too, it's not just leadership, but it's how it cascades down as well. So you really need, it's not just HR and leaders working on this and creating a, a better, more positive culture. It's your managers who are now being asked to facilitate and have really uncomfortable conversations um, around DE&I and employee wellness. So the bar has definitely moved and it, it's kind of suggesting that managers need a, a, a higher skill set when it comes to being able to coach and you know have these caring conversations. So I think a lot of it is around empowering your managers and getting them the right skills to, to be able to, to facilitate and retain. You brought up this point about different generations, and I'm wondering how, especially you know, growth and larger stage organizations deal with this issue when there are variety, you know, we talked before we, we went live about my wife is in this industry, and I've heard a lot of stories about the entitled worker and how they need to have seven kinds of milk in the fridge. And, you know, you want like the grass fed cows outside the outside the office. And there is an issue around entitlement in certain generations that's clearly come up. And I, I think that's, you know, potentially even more so in the tech industry. And then there's, a, you know, there are other generations of workers who are diff- used to different things. Now you add remote work on top of it and company culture becomes a little challenging. I mean, Jen sounds like you have some thoughts here, but how, how does this get managed? And then on top of it, how does it not become just throwing money at the, at the, at the problem and actually coming up with like a longer term sustainable solution? Right. And I think it's a, it's a little bit of a mindset shift too, because every time a new generation comes in, they, I feel like they kind of get that, that narrative is like, I'm a millennial. I came in and we were, we wanted feedback all the time and we want to get promoted, you know, in a, in a day. So every single time a generation comes in, there's, there's something around them, but I think it's around leaders really looking at as an opportunity. And instead of how do we get these individuals coming in to kind of conform to what we want is really just understanding what it is that, that motivates them. And so uh, for Gen Z coming in, we're still understanding them because they're, they're different than millennials. They're different than their Gen X or parents likely. Um, But really understanding what it is that, that motivates them and understanding that a lot of it's, a shift, but it's, it makes sense. Like a lot of Gen Z's coming in are thinking about career advancement, but it's not just the, the linear kind of vertical. I want to get promoted in a year. It's a lot of it's about talking through skills and how they can even move laterally, uh, do a project that's kind of add some skills to them and help them grow their careers. So, um, I think there's a lot of easy wins for leaders if, if we're listening and we're, and we're trying to to really invest in what it is that it's important and, and not think of how do we change these individuals, but how do we allow them to help us grow and, and advance? People are sometimes surprised to learn that the threshold for an income level that people need and, and want out of their career is actually you know significantly lower than people sort of anticipate it might be. And it's many, many other things that keep them in a role once you hit that threshold. So Marty, I'm wondering if you have any examples of, you know, clients that have creative solutions here, any practical, you know, you can, you can find training at XYZ, I'm assuming for some of that HRIS systems and some of the other, you know, implementation work that RSM is certainly available for this kind of work, but any, any practical tips you can share with folks who are thinking about this? Well, one of the things that is Jen pointed out the the listening piece, the active listening Um, and utilizing tools to do that. A lot of times when we work with our clients um, and you pointed out, you don't want to 
throw money at a problem when you don't actually know what the root cause problem is. So it really does take some level of assessment to listen to your workforce and say, what, what do they need? And not be solving for the minority, but solving for the majority. So many cases we're going in to help our clients really think about what, what is the strategy and where do you need to start to focus and make those investments and then ultimately measure that success. Because if you're not doing that, then you're really not able to see if you're making an impact and maybe you know you are still bleeding people and you really don't know how to how to stem that bleeding. Um, so taking an approach to actually having a strategy, having a plan, utilizing technology to to enable you to, to measure what's working and what's not working is really important. That's kind of, you know, we talk about uh, this high level macro culture, but there are really key metrics to use to say, is, is it working or is it not working? Those are some of the things that um, we generally advise to put in place to do that. Thank you, Nancy. Oh, go ahead, Jen, yeah. I was just going to say, like, we're talking about trying to make these huge changes to, to culture, which takes time and investment, but there's also, little quick wins, practical wins when you when you really understand your workforce. If you're if you have a, a lot of engineers, developers, and folks who need, you know, uh, focus time throughout the day, but their jobs depend upon that. Don't be throwing meetings on their calendar, you know, at, at intervals throughout the day. And there's things you can do and we're seeing companies doing their right Marnie with um, you know, blocking out Fridays for meetings uh, so that individuals can focus. And it's it kind of just goes to trying to clear out some of that additional noise that stresses people out on a, on a lighter level, as well as some of those overhauls that you might want to do um, to really create more of a supportive culture. I, I, you know, I was saying that Tech United's been, um, you know, we, we've, we've brought on several new folks over the last two years and we're hiring now. And I find when I ask people, where do you want your career to go? Sort of the, you know, what do you want to get out of life point that you brought up earlier, Jen? People really struggle to answer that question. And I wonder if either of you have any advice of a better way that I and others can can try to get to the heart of what it is people actually want, you know, to do with their professional lives. That's a really interesting question. Um, Jen, I'll start, and then I, I know you have uh, thoughts about this, I'm sure. But a lot of times when we think about development, that's a journey. And it really is very um, critical that you have the right leaders in place that can continuously ask that question. So it may be, there may be a point in time answer. And I think people really do struggle to say, well, what am I going to be in five years? They want, they want a mentor to help show them the way um, and mapping out what that path can be. You know, what are you interested in? What are your passions? Where, where do you find energy and excitement? And it really can be helping to guide them versus asking for the answer and then trying to deliver on it. Um, so that also is a little bit of a shift around development. Not, not every leader or manager is great at development, but being able to put that focus and prioritization on your, your frontline managers and leaders really does make a difference to help um, guide those folks that maybe don't know the answer to who do I want to be when I grow up. That's a great point. Uh, just before we wrap, I want to make sure people appreciate what can RSM bring to the table for those who are struggling with this issue and how can they learn more? I'll start. So um, the way that we serve our clients is through this entire employee life cycle. So from the moment you need to 
hire somebody to the full journey in, in their onboarding and integration and development performance rewards. And then, you know, thinking about succession planning and offboarding. So we support our clients through that full life cycle as it relates to solutions that are HR transformation type um, engagements. And, and we really help to our clients really to think about what the future can look like for HR, but also help with some of those pieces that we talked about today. What does your compensation program need to look like? How are you compliant? Um, how do you foster employee engagement and be able to make some, some impacts there? So I really appreciate both of you joining us today. Normally when we're in person, we do a lot of high five and we can't do quite that now, but we're gonna do like a high five, the camera on the count of three. So one, two, three, boom. Thank you very much. Nice to see you and hopefully see you in person sometime soon. Thanks for listening. Let us know your favorite takeaways on social media at We Are Tech United. Stay tuned. More of Tech United on Tap next.